It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! Whoa, welcome to the show, everybody. Ears Up Podcast. Having a good time. We got a good show for you today. It's about food. Yeah. And I'm actually disappointed that Bev isn't here because Bev is like, Bev's spirit animal is eating. Yeah. She loves eating and she exactly. loves food. And uh, <laughs> But she's off on another work trip, so we're stuck here holding the fort down. And uh, for right now, it's just Terrence and I, but we have a, a special guest coming <laughs> to do this uh, next segment. It's the importance of food in Disneyland. And if you're any kind of a Walt fan or... Or if you listen to the show, excuse me, we've kind of mentioned a few times that uh, Walt was a big foodie. Yeah, loved uh, he he loved food. I, well, he I don't know if I can say that. He, he, he Walt was known to eat right. every once in a right. while. He was known to eat some food. Yes, um, actually, I can't really say that if he was a, a foodie or not because. I don't think he liked to eat. I think he ate out of he was forced Necessity, to eat. Yeah. yeah, like if I don't eat in the next hour, I'm going to die. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, honestly, when you look at his food and then when you look at his drink of choice, it was kind of like, what can I get real quick? Yeah. Because a Scotch mist is Scotch and mist. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it wasn't anything you know imaginative at all. Yeah. So, a mist know. of calories. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Scotch. So uh, we got that coming up for you. That'll be cool. We got Disney news. There's a, a, a boatload of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, there's a lot of Disney rumor site drama that Disney got dragged into. Uh, you know, a lot of Star Wars land drama that we can talk about too. So it's going to be a good show. But mm-hmm. before we get to it, uh, this show is sponsored, of course, by Get Away Today, Disney's top wholesale partner. They'll help you plan your Disneyland vacation with the best tips and secrets, all while making it affordable with their discount tickets, reduced hotel rates, and layaway plan. Head over to getawaytoday.com slash earsup and start planning your magical vacation. Tell them Ears Up sent you and use code EARSUP to save an extra 10 bucks on your SoCal vacation package. We also have... <clears throat> Excuse me. We have no shortage of like of, of good uh, you know announcements and information coming on the show. We have Jeremy from Spectro Radio back finally uh, after a long hiatus, I guess. Right? It's yeah. been a hot minute. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the music of the Golden Horseshoe. Nice. I think whatever that is. I don't really know what that is. It's a um, it's one of the the horseshoe on the other side of the castle that marks the geographic center of the park. Right. Oh really? That oh, that's cool. cool. Right. It has music. Um, yeah, it does. If you huh. step on it at the right time. Man, yes. that's cool, dude. Yeah. I, Walt was such an innovator. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, before we get to the show, well, here, let's just get Jeremy on. I'm not going to play you in, Jeremy. I'm just going to, we're just going to let you say hi to everybody. Oh, hey. Hello, everybody. All right, that's it. So uh, that's Jeremy. I'm kidding. That was a good, it was good to have a show review. It's called Hello, Everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh, you know what? Let me uh, turn off my camera. There we go. Thank you, you don't, God. <laughs> Were you guys staring at each other while you're doing this? No, he was smart enough not to have his camera up. Oh, I think that would have been amazing. But I had to be staring at each other the entire time. We're just talking. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of Jeremy and I uh, being together forever, we our second uh, episode of Ears Up In Depth 
released the other day. Oh, I didn't see that one. The first one was really good. No, thanks. It was really good. I appreciate that. Thank you. The second one was uh, it was pretty good, man. I, I I liked it. I think we're you know we're we're getting better. But uh, in case you don't know about Ears Up in Depth, it's on the same feed as these shows, so it'll just show up in your iTunes or whatever. But it's Jeremy and I talking, you know, two maybe one to two, two to three. Uh, news stories every other week. I'm going to try to just, so on off weeks that we don't do the main show, I'm going to try to have one of those shows up for you guys. That's good. Just something else to to listen to, uh, you know, a couple, uh, at least one new opinion, Jeremy, and uh, really trying to nail down current Disney news. Sounds good. You know, because there's so much going on in this cycle that we just, there's so there's so much to talk about. By the time we talk about it, we've even done on the show half the time, not half the time, but a couple times, like the date for whatever I'm talking about has already passed. Exactly, exactly. So we're trying to get to the bottom of that, but there was a... Um, and it's also news that I'm not going to do on this show. Right. So, right. you know, kind of get you to listen. It's also, double also, it's up early on Patreon for every nice. level, even the $2 oh, level. Okay, cool. So if you want to get that early... It's up on Patreon. Just you know, make sure you get the alerts or whatever in your inbox. But there's a, a whole segment that I did on, uh, you know, the the Walt Disney test wall, mm-hmm. right? The little wonky brick. Yeah. Some guy wrote an article that he claimed that he solved the issue, solved the myth, and yeah. so yeah. I just did some research and basically told him he's wrong. Nice. It was fun. I had I had a good time doing it. You can he work. convinced me. I I was fully on Jim Denny's side. That's right. Jim By Denny. the end. Jim Denny. Jim Denny. <laughs> so smelt. Uh, that's a good time. Uh, you know what else is a good time, of course? The Magic Candle Company. Go to magiccandlecompany.com slash discount slash ears up. We got the Polynesian one uh, burning in the restroom behind us because mm-hmm. that's where the litter boxes are and it doesn't smell too good sometimes. But... Go check them out if you're if you're into stuff that smells good. The Magic Candle Company is really you know where it's at. If you don't want to go to the URL, just uh, you know go to uh, use code Ears Up, uh, but definitely do one or two of those things if you do go and, and buy something from them. That way they know you came from us and and uh, helps us out. You get a fat fifteen percent off your order. So check them out. They bring the vacation to you. MagicCandleCompany.com slash discount slash ears up. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You can send feedback on the show to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. Show suggestions, guest suggestions, demands. Go to Terrence at EarsUp-Podcast.com. You can say hi Sup. to Bev. And anything else comes to me. I'm Jason at EarsUp-Podcast.com. If you want to support this show and why wouldn't you go to etsy.com slash cove ears and we have a bunch of cool shirts i'm wearing the pirates and mansion uh skate or die uh, mm-hmm. or skate and destroy uh, you know shirt i think it looks pretty cool go to patreon become a patreon supporter go to patreon.com slash ears up for two bucks a month if you want just to help support the show we now have four shows a month coming at you for free that's good stuff. So if you want to help us keep the lights on and, and help us keep doing this and kind of you know reward us for, for all this hard work, go to patreon.com slash ears up. For two bucks a month, you get the shows. You just help keep the lights on. But at five bucks, you get access to the secret show, which is another show mm-hmm. that we do here only for Patreon people where we make drinks and we give you the recipe and then we talk more Disney news, but we curse. That's, and that's fun. That's but, pretty accurate. That's yeah. pretty accurate. But, you know, there's look, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on over there. So uh, check that out. But more importantly, spread the word, you know, on these Reddit threads or Disneyland group chat threads or whatever. People go, what's a good Disney podcast? Just drop our names. That's, I know a couple of people have done that, and I really appreciate that. But yep. 
Just spread the word, man. Just do that. Um, okay. It's a tsunami of content, really. It, it really is. And to, it, you know, two years ago. That's true. And it's only going to get bigger. Can we say tsunami? Like, I don't know. It feels like it's too soon. Like, always. Too tsunami? Too... <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Got him. Jeez. Uh, all right, Jeremy, what do you think, man? Are you ready for... Uh, <laughs> are you? Have you recovered, Terrence? You're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, are you ready for a little spectro time? Spectro time. Let's yeah. hit me with that intro. Here we go, baby. Join us as we unravel the magic behind some of Disney's most beloved pieces of music. It's Spectro Time! This magic night, a million stars will play beside us, cast a Glimmering, shimmering, carouseling round the world tonight. Hi, Jeremy. I'm glad to hear this music, and it means that you're, it means you're on the other end. That song... That just washes over me like a warm scotch next to a fire. <laughs> like a like a warm mist of scotch. Yes. Spraying at I me. I love it. It's 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 home really. <laughs> well, hit us with the uh with the goods, dude. What's up with the golden horseshoe review and uh all that kind of good stuff. Well I have to start off with I have a question Uh-oh. for you. Uh oh. What was the opening date of Disneyland? Oh, well, that was, everybody knows, that was January 42nd in 1839. That's right. Yeah, everybody knows that. The reopening was July 17th, 1955. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yes. Thank you. Well, tonight we are going to talk about the music of the only Disneyland attraction to open before July 17th, 1955. Of course, that was the Wild West extravaganza known as Slew Foot Sue's Golden Horseshoe Review. Of course, <laughs> just naturally right. who else could it be um why do you think that this opened before july 17th and how long before well i know why so i yeah you, oh, yeah you i think i think we just know yeah okay well I'll i wasn't sure you. i was gonna make a joke but i wasn't sure how funny the first one was and then I, then i got mm-hmm. nervous about it so then i decided to play it straight so Sorry. Well, you know what? Don't you gotta you gotta keep your confidence up and just hit it out to the back row. Don't let that <laughs> slow you down. Okay, got it. Let's try uh, again. Slewfoot Sue's Golden Horseshoe Review had its first ever performance July thirteenth, nineteen fifty-five. Why? Because it was performed at the thirtieth anniversary celebration of Walt and Lillian Disney, which was held in the barely finished Golden Horseshoe Saloon, which would house the long-running show until its final performance. Some 31 years later, in 1986, the Golden Horseshoe Saloon itself can hold approximately 300 guests and was designed by famous Disney artist Harper Goff in the style of his early work on the Doris Day film Calamity Jane. Now, the way the Golden Horseshoe Review came to life might seem rather unlikely today. Rather than have a script and music already complete and then open up the show for casting... Walt kind of just knew the concept that he wanted, and so he found comedians and performers and hired them for the show and gave them the job of oh. writing the actual script. Smart. Very smart. This is what, this is what a leader does. <laughs> okay? Right. He doesn't know how to make a show, but he hires the people who will. That's right. Smart. So Walt told <clears throat> his friend Don Novis 
that when Disneyland was finished, he would have a place for him to perform in an old-time saloon. Now, Don Novis will be famous to Disney fans for having performed Love is a Song in Disney's 1942 feature animated film, Bambi, number one. Love is a song that I don't know if I've ever heard that song. I don't. It doesn't sound familiar at all. Have you haven't seen Bambi? I mean, I, I I'm sure I have when I was a little guy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you remember like four brief fleeting moments from that movie, and that's kind of right. it. I remember his mom getting blasted? Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not one that they play too much for us now. It's all a little April shower. We get hit over the head with that. That's right. That's right. So, well. That's Don Novus, the silver-toned Irish tenor, as he was known. And for his part, he suggested hiring a kid he'd worked with in Australia who was funny and liked to make balloons and could bring some comedy to the show. Well, that kid was comedian Wally Bogue, who had been a contract player for MGM at the time and coincidentally brought a young Julie Andrews on stage to help him in his act perform in front of the crowd at London at the London Hippodrome's Starlight Roof, which... If you are paying attention, I played for you. Hello? Hello. <laughs> yeah. You had a laugh track, dude. Sorry. <laughs> it's from Seinfeld. Sorry. We need a laugh track. The, the, yes, that's the last thing we need is for me to abuse a laugh track. Uh, I have a press room. That's, that's all I got. The, the audience is like, why? We're not even laughing. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I played for you last time in my epic Music of Mary Poppins segment. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll remember. Of course. Wally Bogue then met with Walt and performed a half hour of his nightclub routine, which included tap dancing and playing the bagpipes, a very common combination, um, which <laughs> <laughs> must have really impressed Walt because Wally eventually worked such talents right into the show. And you can hear that here. Number two. <laughs> people said, Wally, is it possible to play a melody in the bagpipes? Is it possible to play a melody on the bagpipes? No, it isn't. But I... Got him. Nah. Nah, son. <laughs> I couldn't handle that. You know, I just had an idea. Um, before the show started, we were talking about if I had a separate text tone for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be what I said it to. <laughs> Just 30 seconds of bagpipes every time. Hey, man, I will call you every day then. (laughs) 6 a.m. In order to bring the saloon's signature show to life, Walt looked to the songwriting talents of radio writer and song lyricist Tom Adair. Adair had earned a name for himself in the 1940s, writing lyrics for Dinosaur Bing Crosby and had written Frank Sinatra's Let's Get Away From It All, number three. Let's take a boat to Bermuda 
Let's take a plane to St. Paul Let's grab a kayak to Quincy or Nyack Let's get away from it all Let's take a trip in a trailer No need to come back at all Let's take a powder I love that. I don't like Frank Sinatra. I've never been a Frank Sinatra person. Oh, yeah. I love it. Really? I absolutely do. Yeah. You can like hear him like making fun of Sammy Davis Jr. in the background. Can you please go get my bag, Sammy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll give you a fresh one right across the mouth. <laughs> At the time Walt approached Hamadere, <laughs> he was <laughs> penny he was also penning the lyrics to Disney's feature film, Sleeping Beauty, number four. Uh, Terrence knew that. Yeah. This I don't think I'd ever heard that. Yeah, that's when they're all marching into the castle. Mm. Okay. Jeez. All right. Uh, <laughs> Are you with us, Jeremy? Are we... <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Maybe we should mention something Disney for Petra. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, got uh, me. So Tom Adair, he's a lyricist, though, right? Like, he's not a composer. So Tom Adair collaborated with musical director Charles LaVere, because if you're going to work together, your last names have to run. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> On original music for the show, such as the opening tune, Hello, Everybody, performed here by the second and longer-running Slewfootsu actress, Betty Taylor, with a little more Don Novus in there at the end as well, number five. Ladies and gentlemen, from the beautiful Golden Horseshoe in Disneyland, California... We're proud to present the thrilling Golden Horseshoe Review. Hello, everybody. We're mighty glad to meet you here at the Golden Horseshoe. Hello, everybody. We're mighty glad to greet you here at the Golden Horseshoe. If you are a stranger, just say, Howdy, stranger. We will soon be friends that Show is mighty spicy. Oh, mighty spicy. Imagine like uh, going to the Golden Horseshoe Review and seeing the guy who sung in Bambi. Yeah. Like that's kind of that's kind of a cool thing. These people weren't just, you know, off out of central casting, I guess, right? right? They right. were legitimate stage actors. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a good point. Thank you. <laughs> it's like what what would you equate that today? I mean, you know, going to see I don't know. Welcome uh, to the Golden, Golden Horseshoe. Here's Justin Bieber, I don't know. <laughs> John Goodman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how like Donald Novus, how That'd big of a star he was, but bro, I would, That'd I would amazing. bring a flamethrower in and get everyone out of my way to see <laughs> John Goodman before I got arrested. Sorry, that was weird. Go ahead, Jeremy. That's all right. Um, Charles Lavere also composed the review's opening overture, and he worked in the show as the review's pianist. Number six. 
And now, Professor LeVere, if you please, the overture. Can you play piano that fast? No, I cannot. Terrence, no. Oh, I can, just not well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, we spent a lot of time trying to find theme music to the in-depth podcast, and it was sitting (laughs) right in front of us the whole time. Um, Other original Adair and LaVare pieces written specifically for the show included Riverboat Blues and A Lady Has to Mind Her P's and Q's, number seven. A lady has to mind her P's and Q's A dandy from the city with a silk embroidered vest Asked me for a dance, impressed me closely to his chest He was the freshest man until I slugged him with my fan. A lady has to mind her P's and Q's. Wow. wow. Hell yeah, dude. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Just dra- if you drag someone close, you're getting a yeah. fan in the kisser. Assault isn't cool. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> Well, after Betty Taylor and Don Novus warm up the crowd with those pieces, Wally Bogue is introduced to the stage in his traveling salesman role. Wally Bogue fit right into the show, employing everything from rubber chickens to creating his characteristic balloon animals, or his bogaloons, as he called them. Bro. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. He also portrayed the cowboy Old Pecos. In a musical routine that involved the cowboy getting hit in the jaw and spitting out some 84 teeth each show. Jeez. Which is quite an accomplishment considering the human mouth only has 32 teeth. (laughs) He used beans for the trick. Take a listen, number eight. Once there was a drought that spread all over Texas. So to sunny California, he did go. And though the gag is kind of corny, he brought rain from California. That's the way we got the Gulf of Mexico. Aha! For the toughest of west, the Alamo. Once a band of rustlers stole a herd of cattle. But they didn't know the herd they stole was Bill's. But when he caught them crooked billings, why, he knocked out all their pillin'. And that is why there's gold in them bar So I'll, I'll paint a picture for you. That little uh, ding, 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 ding. That was uh, that, that was the sound effect of him spitting out all of his teeth whenever uh, mm. uh, when they would get knocked out. That's right. And uh, it was a funny routine. If you watch the video, you can find it on YouTube. He would spit out, and then the the pianist and the drummer took out ping pong paddles and would hit the teeth back and forth. So yeah, <laughs> that's kind of cool. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, Wally Bogue was not only busy with the Golden Horseshoe Review during his tenure at Disney. He could also be found elsewhere in the company, including editing Disney's internal magazine backstage, performing as a stunt double for Fred McMurray and the absent-minded professor, 
and more famously provided the voice of Jose in Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, number nine. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Oh, look at all the people. And welcome to Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. Joe time. Of course, like many Disney shows of the time, such as The Country Bear Jamboree and Enchanted Tiki Room, much of the music was not original, but was adapted for the show. The beautiful Golden Horseshoe Girls danced through each show along to pieces such as Jacques Offenbach's Can Can, number 10. God, imagine having that much fun. Yeah. At anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stay off of my Bach and I'll stay off of yours. <sighs> you know what that's from? No. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> remind me to take you to Disneyland someday. Okay. Where is it from? <laughs> it's from the Tiki Room. Tiki Room. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm too busy sleeping. Oh, dear. Okay. Also, not original to the show were familiar tunes such as Beautiful Dreamer, performed by Donald Novus, and Bill Bailey, Won't You Please Come Home, performed here by Betty Taylor. Number 11. Beautiful dreamer, wake unto me, starlight and you. Drops are waiting for thee. Sounds of the road world heard in the day. Love. I'll do the cooking, darling. I'll pay the rent. I know I've done you wrong. And for that rainy evening, I'll throw you out with nothing but a fine tinkle. I know I'm to blame for. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very jazzy. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to take a little diversion. I, was, I wasn't I was sure if I was going to tell this because I found out the history behind the song Bill Bailey. Oh. Do you want to know it? Sure, dude. It has nothing to do with Disney, but it has to do with Bill Bailey. That's all right. I'll forget about it anyways, regardless. Perfect. Okay. Well, um, Bill Bailey was written by a song named uh, Hughes Cannon. Okay. And, a guy named Hughes Cannon. He was a pianist in a bar in Michigan in 1904, and he wrote it about a guy who was his customer, Willard Bill Bailey, who was always in the bar. <laughs> All right. And so he wrote that song from the perspective of Bill Bailey's wife, wondering where this guy is because of these strange hours he keeps. And so he wrote it, and uh, Bill Bailey thought it was hilarious, and he took it home to his wife, and she hated it. Um, <laughs> Now, unfortunately, Hughes Cannon, the um, the composer of the song, died at the age of thirty-five. Not long after this, from cirrhosis. <laughs> I mean, not funny, but he's in a bar. But how? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but interesting, funny. Uh, and then a few years later, Bill Bailey and his wife divorced. Hmm. 
Well, that's the story behind that song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then they played it at his funeral or right, something like, like that. Yeah. But. Well, I, Hughes Cannon sold it to, you know, some some music, you know, sold the rights away and yeah. whatever, whatever. But that's it. They got divorced. They didn't, you know, it was it, he right. was never home. She wanted him to come home. And right. It didn't work out. Hmm. Right. So don't be a dirty stay out is the moral. <laughs> dirty stay out. That's right. Drink at home. Drink at home. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> In the privacy of your own home, hide bottles in the towel rack if you have to. In the he's passed out on the couch again, but at least he's home. <laughs> right. I love him. Um, so uh, I was good. I was thinking. I was like, how can I work in like a little deeper cut? You know, like mm-hmm. pop up spectro. Like you know, remember pop up video on VH1? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be neat. But I just decided to give it away. <laughs> anyway, the part of slew foot Sue was originated in 1955 by Judy Marsh, but she gave way to Betty Taylor, who we heard before the following year. Taylor played the part until the end, until the show ended 30 years later in 1986. Taylor was once quoted at the end of the show's run saying, when I started in 1956, they hired me for four weeks, and I wondered from year to year how long I'd be here. The time went so fast, I can't believe it's been 30 years. God. In 1962, when Donald Novus retired, it was Wally Bogue who called upon his friend Fulton Burley to recruit him into doing the show. N- names were weird. Like, <laughs> Donald Novus, Wally Bogue, Fulton Burley. Like these are no. I have no friends with these names. No, nor should you. I think if if oh. if you're named after old timey people, although uh, Taryn's friend just named his uh, named her son Heron. Like after the bird, Heron? yeah. Oh, okay. so we're, names are becoming weird again. So don't you fret? No, I won't fret. Okay, there's hope. <laughs> That's right. Um, Fulton Burley stayed with the show until the end in 1986 as well. For the most part, the show remained very much the same through the years, though some new songs were added here and there from time to time, such as "The Girl on the Police Gazette" and "Clancy Lowered the Boom." Um, now I don't have the version from the show, but here is a version by Dennis Day of Clancy Lowered the Boom, number 12. All right. The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene. He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume. But nevertheless, when trouble would press, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy, oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, boom, boom. So that song's about assault. Whenever he got his Irish up, I mean, he was like, he would go to the bar and get drunk and look for fights. I believe that's the interpretation, yes. Nice. (laughs) I also wouldn't mind knowing someone named Clancy. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, oh, where were you guys last night? With Clancy? (laughs) Yeah, with Clancy and Fulton and Heron. (laughs) (laughs) I know what happened there. You're right. Nothing good. The cast... Did not only perform the review in Disneyland, but took it on the road in 1986 to perform for the troops with the USO in Greenland, as well as to the Nixon White House in 1969. Oh, which, by the way, um, when I was doing my research for this, I believe it was D23 that said that they played for the Nixon White House in 1980. And I was like, "Mm -mm -mm, no, not possible. (laughs) The Nixon White House in 80. Yeah, right. I was like, no, D23. I, don't, I think it was D23. I, I don't want to mm. necessarily impugn them, but 
Uh, I think that's who said it. So I was like, well, that's not possible. So I had to go a little deeper to find out when, in fact, they did go to the White House. It was 1969. By the time the curtain fell for the final time in 1986, the show had chalked up more than 45,000 performances. Jeez. Wow. And held the world record at the time for the longest-running stage show and had been viewed by more than 16 million people. Wow. That's just the crazy, show, dude. It's crazy. 45,000 performances because... Um, uh, for all of you who are out there tapping away one, you know, 365 days, it was performed, I think, almost four times a day, some four times, three to four times a day, depending on the time of year. Woof. So that's hard. And that's physical. It's physical comedy that I mean, they're they're yeah. dancing and singing and doing all sorts of stuff. That is not that's not an easy thing to be doing. No, the show was not unique to Disneyland with the 1971 opening of the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. Their Diamond Horseshoe Review also ran until 1986, and Tokyo Disneyland had its own Diamond Horseshoe Review upon its opening in 1983. On January 10, 2013, the Golden Horseshoe Review made a brief return to Disneyland as part of the park's limited-time magic promotion called Salute to the Golden Horseshoe Review. That's right. Taryn and I went that. Went to that. You what? Yep. We went to that. I sent you the CD that they handed out, as a matter of fact. Remember, I, I emailed you the... Uh, you did. You I did, did. And I, did. I have a question. Okay. Was that was that a soundtrack of the salute or was it of the original? I think it was of the original. Oh, my word. Yeah, I think it was the original. Okay. But yeah, we went to it. It was, uh, it was cool, man. I mean, you could see bloomers and everything. Like, it oh. was pretty spicy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm that saying. The one thing you remember from it is blooming. <laughs> well, you know, look, man, I'm a, a, a pervert. We saw some calf. <laughs> I also love that you just called yourself out for ripping and pirating music and sending it over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it's for personal use, Jeremy. That's right. And I never put it on Spectro because I already had it. That's right. Purchased legally. <laughs> uh, the show ran for three weeks. And played in front of such dignitaries as the Petroses. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, the Petros and Howe's party at that moment. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is pre... Uh, That's right. Pre-nuptials. That's right. Uh, and saw the return of many aspects of the show, including even the Can-Can Dancers, which let uh, left a, an indelible memory of bloomers on many of its uh, <laughs> patrons. That's right. One of the dancers from the original, Didi Bazikas, returned as stage manager. <laughs> Didi Bazikas. <laughs> At the burlesque hour, I'm Didi Bazookas. <laughs> Didi um, ba we should post, uh, if you want to name your kid something Disney related, this, this list of names. Oh, like, you know what we should do? Like the, uh, They have random name generators. We should right. preload them with all like 40s and 50s Disney mm -hmm. uh, performers. Who is right. your what's your Disney performer name? <laughs> Wally Bazookas. <laughs> Was anyone on this show just named Kevin? <laughs> There's a uh, Ted. Oh, good old Ted. <laughs> Uh, so Didi Bazikas returned, but as the stage manager for the revival. Yeah. Also, Toby Longo. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Toby Longo, Candygram for Longo. 
Nice. Nice. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize this string of names until I'm sitting here reading it out loud now, but that's this is wonderful. Toby Longo was a dancer in the Golden Horseshoe Jamboree, which briefly replaced the original uh, Horseshoe Review, and her mother was a dancer in the original show. Toby Re- uh, Longo returned as the show's cor- the, the revival's choreographer. Oh. This nice. So I, there's a you know I like that there's a connection to the past with the people who worked on the salute. But why didn't it go longer than three weeks? I don't know. I I uh, pay. I, I don't know. I, I would like to see that happen. I mean, it's it was a cool thing. I I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, of course, it's bloomers. That's right. Well, guys, that is the musical history of the Golden Horseshoe Review. Wow, good job, Jeremy. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, do you want to come back on for news or the secret show? Yes. Okay. There we go. That's easy. I one. mean, it should, maybe should I do? Uh, I'll do secret show. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll stand back for the news. Oh sure. Okay. And, and, all right. I'll, I'll come back for the news. <laughs> do you want me just to leave you on here or what? Um, I'll, I'll mute myself. Yeah, leave me on. I'm going to mute okay. myself and I'll come back when appropriate. Nice. You want me to leave you potted up so you can butt in? Pot it up. I'll butt in when needed. All right. You're potted up. All right, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, All right, Terrence. Well, hey, it looks like we have a special guest in the studio. Yes. Uh, Mystery guest, sign in, please. Hi, guys. Wow. It's Terrence. I made it. You did. (laughs) Oh, you hear that? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I actually could hear you guys from up there, and I was like, oh, my God, shut up. Oh no. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine now though. Yeah. Well, welcome back to your show, Taryn. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it's you. It's been a while. I missed you guys. Us. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything been going? What what have you been up to? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, baby things and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Well, you're here now. I am. And it's a secret show night too. I know. So How we're gonna for me. you're gonna be pulling double duty here. Heck yeah. And I said duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we talking about today, Tara? Today we are talking about the importance of food at Disneyland. And I want to specify that that's, this is not a history of Disneyland food, which may become a show because there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, that's not what this is. This is like why food is important at Disneyland. Okay. Which is seems a little weird, but I think you're going to get it once I kind of get going. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I love it. Well, first of all, did you guys already talk about our dinner? Nope. Okay. No, we have not. So <laughs> part of doing this show is um, because part of understanding the importance of food is understanding Walt as mm-hmm. a person. Right. And I, I get into this when I when I kind of really start, but what I did was I made um, Walt's favorite meal or uh, for you guys. That's right. That's right. Um, it was a cigarette. <laughs> and liquor. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was um so chili is is Walt's just hands down favorite thing ever and um I found a recipe for his favorite chili and so I made it and it is a very we we can probably share the recipe online but it is a very um 50s style chili. Yeah. It's not the kind of chili that I usually make. Right. No, right. it was uh, well go ahead, yeah. It's um 
It's better if a man explains it, Taryn. So right. let me. <laughs> well, so basically, Jason described it. I think the best way where he he said it, it has negative flavor. It was negative flavors, <laughs> dude. It was very weird. It it was probably the blandest chili yeah. I've ever had in my entire life. There yeah. was, I it was literally what is that like a six quart pot or something? Mm-hmm. Six quart pot full to the brim of chili, and there was one teaspoon. Of chili powder in it. Yeah, it's insane. two pounds like, of, no joke. of pink beans, which are like... Um, like pinto. Like pinto beans, right, right, right. Um, but they're they're like a heavier kind of flavor. And so it's two pounds of that, two pounds of meat, mm-hmm. and one teaspoon of chili powder. It's insane. And like a teaspoon of powdered uh, mustard, and then I think a teaspoon of paprika. And that's it. And salt. And yeah, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and garlic. There was garlic in there too. But it, it was like there's, it's the the most absence of flavor that you can have <laughs> while adding those things. It tasted like beans, unseasoned meat, and wet. That was the flavor. <laughs> yeah. It didn't taste yeah. like anything else. Yeah, and the beans to me were like you know they, they do they're described as having kind of a meaty flavor, mm-hmm. um, but the texture was starchy, and there was still enough starch in there, so it was almost like tannic. Where like if you drink a a dry wine or yeah. wine with a lot of tannins, it kind of like sucks the moisture out. Yeah. It was almost like that. It was like absorbing all the flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were just like, I can still taste, I can still taste nothing. Yeah. Like in your mouth, you taste your mouth and right. it's usually gross. But this was like, I was tasting nothing. nothing. It was like the never ending story. I, f- I felt like the big rock man in the never ending story. The nothing is coming. <laughs> I'm just depressed. I can't yeah. taste it. I can't even taste me. It's weird. Well, and then I, I also made, because Walt always had a dessert, so he had his chili, he would have only one vegetable, because he didn't really like vegetables, so one right. vegetable only, a salad, and I made a dessert, which was called uh, marshmallow pudding. <laughs> which is, in and of itself, highly 50s. Yes. yes. It, it also tasted just 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, again, very bland. Um, I tried this recipe twice. It didn't work out very well. I could never be a 50s housewife. I'm very not good at it. Um, the kitchen was a disaster. I was a disaster. And I had to make the thing twice and it still didn't work. So, Well, I, I think it's really just your your upbringing and, and especially our relationship. You know, Because if we were in the 50s, I would have just come home and just went right to the liquor cabinet and sat on the couch and read the paper until like 11 o'clock at night. And the silent treatment would eventually... <laughs> Teach wow. me how to cook? Yes, it would eventually guilt you <laughs> right. and condition you mm-hmm. to make sure that all that is all that is done. Yes. But I'm too loving and accepting of a husband to do that to you. So That's true. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> we all kind of felt like we ate dinner. Or That's no, right. we, we felt... Full, but like we hadn't eaten. It was like astronaut ice cream. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, oh, I I had the thing, but I didn't eat the thing. So it was out of the book Eat Like Walt. Yes. Okay. And uh, so. Fantastic book. It was a great, it's a, it's a really good book. We've talked about it before. You guys should definitely go out and get that. And I do want to have the author on. Yeah. um, But I think she talked to like Walt's cook and some of those recipes said that she just kind of rattled them off. So, you know, there wasn't really any sort of record keeping or kind of whatever. So, and the man, that's what we were talking about a little bit before, he didn't really, I wouldn't say necessarily enjoyed eating. So he wanted to eat stuff as bland as possible. Yeah. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, 
Yes, so the importance of food at Disneyland. Let's go. Okay. As we've learned in some of our Disney history episodes, uh, Walt Disney's vision for Disneyland was not that of an amusement park. Walt purposely called his park a theme park because he vowed to make it clean, family-friendly, safe, and inviting. He was also very meticulous about the details of his theme park, making sure each land was an immersive experience with unique theming. And lucky for us, this attention to detail did not stop at food service. To explain the importance of food at Disneyland, we first need to understand what food meant to Walt. He had simple tastes, as we sort of just discovered. He liked what some would call bland and boring foods. Macaroni and cheese, pot roast, mashed potatoes, chili, etc. <laughs> I still think, chili. I'm still offended that chili is considered bland. Yeah, but Right. <laughs> or that that was considered chili. Yeah, right. In fact, he liked chili so much that he would eat it several times a week, both at fancy restaurants and straight out of the can. He actually would mix two different types of chili in the can together because one of them had more meat and mm. less beans and the other had more beans and less meat so he mixed them together that's smart because that's the bean to meat ratio is important in in most things but yes. especially chili True. and i think this one had too many beans that's a lot of beans but we were missing 0.13 of a pound of, of yeah, meat that's, so that is true potentially that could have changed everything right no <laughs> <laughs> so he ate so much chili in fact that he would actually keep crackers in his pocket in case he had chili. In case. So, My emergency crackers. <laughs> yeah, and so these were saltines, and um, saltines at the time did not come individually packaged. So he literally had just saltines in his pocket, and Lillian would often find his pockets full of crumbs as he, she was getting his clothes ready to take to the dry cleaner. Like, he's just a little nuts. Yeah, well, it's either it's either saltines or Werther's Originals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So Walt just didn't have an adventurous appetite, and he very much preferred, say, a hamburger to lobster. Walt, I'm sorry. Uh, Walt hired cooks for his family <laughs> as his children grew up, but one cook in particular helped shape the way Walt thought about food. Thelma Pearl Howard, who they called Fufu. She was hired on in 1951 and actually stayed with the Disney family for 30 years, Walt liked her because she stuck to his very specific list of foods that he enjoyed, which included roast lamb, chicken with potatoes and gravy, breaded veal cutlets, spam and eggs, etc., all 50s-style foods. Um, although, I will say, on a side note, uh, one time she didn't stick to his list and made a cake for dessert, which Walt does not like cake. This annoyed him, and he wasn't very silent about it, which annoyed... God, that sounds like me. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> and uh, that annoyed his wife. Yeah, and like so me. in an effort to defend Fufu, she took some of the whipped cream from the cake and threw it at Walt, <laughs> hitting him in the face. This led to a small but messy food fight between the couple. <laughs> well, Walt grabbed Lillian by the hair <laughs> yeah. and shoved her. Apparently it was an amicable fight. In the but middle of the pie. kind of a strange little tidbit. Yeah, that's weird. Um, Anyway, so Fufu spent uh, a lot of time in the kitchen with Walt's kids and then later grandkids. And Walt affectionately referred to her as Mary Poppins as she would play games with the kids and welcomed them into the kitchen, which often became a favorite play area for them. (laughs) It was all about food, but it was also a clubhouse, said Tamara Miller, Walt's granddaughter, as she reminisced about Fufu's kitchen. Walt noticed this, too. Food, he realized, wasn't about eating— It was about community and family. 
It brought people together and was as much an activity as it was a necessity. So Walt understood the importance of eating and what mealtimes represented, but food was just not a priority for him. Walt would often become so engrossed in his work that he would that when it came to dinner time, he would just go across the street to the local beanery, grab soup, and go right back to the studio. In fact, many of his family members have also stated that he would sometimes get home for dinner at 10 or 11 simply because he got immersed in work and forgot the time. Work clearly was important to Walt, and he wanted to make sure that his employees, who, expected, who, who he expected to have the same work ambition as him, felt that they were being taken care of. Part of how he did this was developing four full-fledged restaurants at his studios in Burbank. He wanted the staff to his studios to have access to cheap, quality meals on campus, which he presumed would increase productivity and morale. So Walt basically created the concept for Google and Facebook campuses yeah. before they existed. Right. Like, let me feed my people so they never leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but this also created common spaces for teams to take breaks, relax, and form camaraderie. Walt, having his very basic taste buds, kept the menus approachable and easy, and he was often seen grabbing a sandwich right alongside everyone else, standing in line, and paying, even at his own restaurant. Lunch was, of course, the main meal everyone at the studio ate during the workday, and so it should be no surprise that lunch became Walt's big meal of the day. He tended to eat a rather large lunch and then eat minimally at dinner. Lillian, Walt's wife, even asked Walt's secretary to report to her each day what Walt ate at lunch so that she didn't make the same thing for dinner because he would use that as an excuse to not eat dinner, to not eat the dinner that Lillian or Fufu made. Because <laughs> he just didn't like eating. He, yeah. just, he clearly did not enjoy uh, eating. I wonder if it was just because he just considered it a waste of time. I think so. I mean, Walt was kind of on the move mm -hmm. yes. all the time. Yes. I feel that way about showering. <laughs> we, we know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you really? You can't smell me, no, right? I can't. Okay. Yeah. Smell great. I don't think I've ever showered. Great. Yeah. Uh, while Walt was a big proponent of camaraderie and collaboration among his staff, he also had no problem building an exclusive, no girls allowed lounge. Oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, uh, <laughs> where's the representation? Come uh -huh. on. So this was a No Girls Allowed lounge designed only for his top personnel. The Penthouse, oh, as yeah. it was called. Petros. <laughs> was one of the studio restaurant, which was one of the studio restaurants, was a literal fraternity that was open only to high-level executives and animators who made over $100 a week. This is what it included. A bar, restaurant, mm. billiards, massage tables. Yeah, Damn. I'm sure there were no Beds. <laughs> card tables, barber shop, steam bath, a gym, and a roof where the men would sunbathe nude. Wow. Until, yes. Nope. No comment. <laughs> Wrong show. Hey, man. Then, you got to make sure everything is even. Yes. Yeah. Um, some years. Not even in their bloomers? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not until St. Joseph's Hospital built a new, a new wing across the street and the nurses requested that they wear trunks. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. <laughs> it faces the children's ward. And <laughs> you all need to just, you know. There's a lot of questions being asked. <laughs> yeah. So the penthouse bugged people. The sure. People that didn't get in, yeah. they were bugged by it. Um, sure. It created a clear division in the workplace, but for those who were allowed to attend, it seemed pretty sweet and very popular. Well, yeah, <laughs> dude. You don't even have to shave or anything. You just walk in all disheveled and yeah. 
And it was open until 1978, I believe. I didn't write that down, but um, oh, wow. yeah, for a long time. So people really liked it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Um, so I'm actually surprised. Sorry, I'm actually surprised it didn't end when Walt died. Yeah, you know yeah. when they had the, an opportunity to sort of, I don't know, correct the things that really bugged a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that it went on that long. Yeah, yeah, me too. I actually would like to, but also not shocked. Well, yeah, yeah. I also want to like see if there's any more history behind that place because, like, did they ever let women in? Did, like <laughs> to change the sheets on the <laughs> massage table or get the towels. Oh, Lord. That's about it, Taryn. Okay, moving on. Yeah. So Walt seemed to have a knack for knowing what people wanted, and he clearly knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to build Disneyland, he knew that people wanted a place to come and enjoy time with their families. And not just on rides. He wanted people to enjoy every aspect of the por- of the park, which, of course, included food. Walt wanted a variety of food options in the park. He wanted quick service and formal sit-down eateries, along with spots where people could just grab a snack, none of which was ever an afterthought. He wanted the food to really play a role in his theme park, and the publicity team even started to refer referring to it as thematic feeding. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> this is where the food would was served Uh, The food served was themed to specific areas, whether by the look of the food, who served it, or the ambiance of the restaurant. Okay. Each land at Disneyland had different cuisines or different ways of delivering food. Tomorrowland, for example, utilized vending machines to deliver food in a futuristic way, while Fantasyland featured a restaurant designed like a pirate ship. And Adventureland served Polynesian-inspired food that matched its Tahitian decor. Even the small snack stands had theming. It was Walt's idea that each popcorn stand have an individualized mechanical character to turn the popcorn. Oh, that was Walt's idea. I thought that was relatively recent. Yeah, no. That's cool. Uh, So that matched the land where the stand was located. Mm -hmm. And you can still see that today. Yeah, my favorite part about those is uh, when there's a Haunted Mansion overlay at Christmas, there's the Oogie Boogie. Yeah. They like even themed that out, which is really nice touch. Very cool. Walt's goal was for the food and the delivery thereof to be an attraction all on its own. The Blue Bayou is another example of the concept of themed dining, of course. Even though the restaurant opened after he passed away, Walt's influence is all over that place. For all intents and purposes, the Blue Bayou was the pioneer of truly themed dining experiences. Mm. It was one of the first fully immersive restaurants where... From the Crayole recipes, the dark southern atmosphere with its dank, moist air, to the chirping and buzzing of the fireflies, you are truly transported to another place. The Blue Bayou serves delicious food, but at its core, it's simply another Disney attraction. Food became such an important aspect of Disneyland that it even played a part in the sanitation of the park. Walt is well known for wanting to have a clean park which is even evident to this day. And he specifically designed the trash cans to have revolving doors so that people wouldn't have to touch the trash can or see other people's trash when Mm. they threw something away. Even more to the point, Walt was a huge fan of hot dogs and assumed... (laughs) (laughs) This is going somewhere. (laughs) What a weird thing to be a fan of. You know what I I really love? Compressed meat in a tube. (laughs) Right. Do me a favor, grind up anything you don't use, <laughs> compress it in a tube shape. I'm all about that life. Think exactly. about how quickly you can eat a hot dog. That's true. <laughs> I am. And he ate them plain. Just hot, like hot dog and bun. That is, what is wrong with this dude? <laughs> just, I'm sorry, just hot, like just a dry, yeah. no toppings. Mm-mm. Just the hot, why the bun? What is wrong with this dude? I guess, you know why the bun? Because he knows he needs bread. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's just a machine. <laughs> yeah. He's a robot. He is. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> Walt was a huge fan of hot dogs, and assuming they would be a big hit for the guests as well, he spaced out the trash cans so that if you purchased and ate a hot dog while walking along Main Street, you would hit another trash can just about when it was time to throw away your hot dog tray. Perfect. He literally spaced out the trash cans to match eating habits. What do you, how do you mean? So, so basic pace, basic eating. So speed. he ate a hot. Oh. He, bu- he got a hot dog, ate it down Main Street. Why he would put, walk? And then when he was done, that's where a trash can goes. <laughs> that's so smart, dude. <laughs> if that's true, that it's is weird. Sm- that's very smart. And smart. Yeah. So aside from enjoyment in theming, food also helped create the design of the park. Um, and as if that weren't enough, food is even a part of the entertainment at Disneyland. From 1957 to 1964, sponsored by Quaker Oaks, Disneyland hosted a sort of oddball foot race that involved pancakes called the Pancake Races. Oh, okay. Makes sense. During these races, housewives would wear long skirts and aprons and carry a nine-inch skillet with a pancake on it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) They would then race down the middle of Main Street, of course avoiding the streetcar tracks, and at four separate locations along the path, they would need to flip the pancake over a stretched ribbon eight feet in the air and catch it back in their skillet. Oh, my. Uh, a, a cast iron skillet? It doesn't. No, okay, because those are heavy, dude. Yeah. I can barely lift them. I mean, I'm weak. In the photo, yeah. one of them does look like a cast iron. And I'm like, dang, Gee, girl. Dude. W- w- <laughs> yeah. So if they dropped the pancake, they were disqualified. And the first to finish won $100 in cash and prizes. Damn, that's, that's like a billion bad, dollars yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. for a fractured wrist and carpal tunnel. Like, <laughs> you get Tomorrowland. Yeah. Basically, what it was. Like, ow. And then even today, Disneyland has really embraced the idea as uh, of food as entertainment for their guests, and continues to make food an attraction all on its own. The park has really embraced social media, and it seems everywhere you look now at Disneyland, you can find totally Instagram-worthy foods like colorful churros or. Dole Whip donuts, Mickey-shaped macaroons, or Jason's personal favorite, the Matterhorn macaroons. That's right. It's the best, the top dessert in Disneyland. <laughs> Jolly Holiday Bakery. Get it? They've redone the uh, recipe a little bit, so it's not as like uh, strips of coconut, but it's still the greatest. How many and, do we have in our cupboard? Uh, five. But they uh, they last for like three or four days. So you can buy a dozen, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And they're topped with white chocolate. Look, it's the best dessert. <laughs> No churro. It's no churro, but a churro is no Matterhorn macaroon. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> you so can continue, Taryn. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This so is what you've missed. Food, even now, is an integral part of the culture and entertainment at Disneyland. Back in 1955, however, food wasn't entirely about theming, entertainment, and ambiance. It was also about money. Disneyland costs a lot to build. And Walt raised some of the money through restaurant vendors. But he did this in a unique and really smart way. At Disneyland's opening, Walt had secured 47 food vendors, including Coca-Cola, Quaker Oats, Sunkist, Frito-Lay, and Maxwell House, among others. Walt had most vendors sign five-year deals, and their contracts stipulated that the first and last year be paid in advance. So the first and last year. That's brilliant. Of what again? Of the, of the the food vendors. Okay. Anybody who wanted to sell food in the park had to pay their first and last year in advance. Right. So that he took that money to and built D- Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was huh. a huge portion of the initial funding. Well, first to build and last Disneyland. rent. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that 
initial funding came straight from food itself, essentially. And realistically, without the funding from these food vendors, Disneyland would have been a shell of what it is today if it existed at all. Luckily, Walt was a smart man who had a very keen sense of what people would like. The food at Disneyland was not like at amusement parks. It wasn't just peanuts and cotton candy. Walt put a great deal of importance on the food he sold at Disneyland because in his personal and work life, he was able to identify the effect that food had on the relationships of the people around him and how it not only brought everyone together, but in the right setting, it made people really happy. Whether it was for entertainment, ambiance, or even money, food is an integral part of why Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Wow, Taryn. Good job. Thanks. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And I actually never, until you did this, I never thought about how much food is intertwined in everything that goes on there. Um, and it's not like a normal amusement park where you have, you know, your hot dogs, your plain hot dog stand and the hamburger stand. <laughs> There's some really good food there. Like, there really is. And I didn't food. even get into that. I started looking at that and I was like, this is more of like a history show and that's yeah. not what I was going for. But yeah, there's like, I mean, if you think about the different even cuisines and the different mm -hmm. like lands, like it, it's all, I don't know. It's, it's really it, cool. It's a shame that they seem to be focusing more on the desserts, but that's what everyone wants. Right. I wish they put that culinary effort into their food offerings, but there's still some unique stuff and it seems to change every so often. It's not yeah. just the same stuff every year yeah so uh yeah. well and you even see it we even saw it at star wars land i mean oh yeah like even like with the utensils and with just the way that that the servers talk to you and mm -hmm. all that stuff it was very much part of the land and it's very much part of what walt was trying to create yeah, yeah absolutely which is so funny because he really didn't like food but he understood how important well, it was. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, it sort of makes sense. Like the 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 thing wasn't important to him. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he didn't care, but he he didn't find a value in it. There was other things to do, but he knew what it meant to people, like yeah. you said. And that's kind of Walt's whole thing. Yeah, like you know, he knew that he can get people to draw better than him. Yeah, but he knew that story mattered to people, so he focused on what it meant to people and let everybody else do everything else. Right, yeah. and that's, that's just so. I, I guess that just translates that whole ethos translates down to just him eating. Yeah, it's the same as him eating or you eating, but you know, you, you're hopefully going to care about the food because right. somebody who cares more about that thing is producing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he wants it to have value and have meaning to you. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to care about it. That's crazy. Yeah, he's wild. He's he was definitely March wild, in dude. The past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the years up Disney news. Well, now we got a lot to cover. Speaking of wild, it's been a wild week in Disneyland uh, or in the Disney Company, for example. Um, this is in Disney World. It's actually in Celebration, Florida. Um, they did. They were doing some. Uh, how do I turn? Why is it not? There we go. I don't use this pot a lot, okay. so the thing was sticking. So, oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, bloggers at Disney Diary were among several visitors over the weekend to Celebration Florida who noticed their famous downtown fountain had a misspelling in it. Apparently, they have a big fountain, and it says, you know, Walt Disney, whatever. Okay. Um, they spelled Walt W A L D. Walt. Walt. Wow. Walt Disney. <laughs> um. The fountain had been closed for some time to undergo renovations and just reopened in recent days. Here's the here's the photo. Walt Disney. Oh, that's horrible. 
How did somebody make that mistake? Exactly. I don't know. Can you imagine like being the 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 the, the mason worker or whatever, like laying even making those those uh, letters or, or laying them in, mm-hmm. you know it's not walled, yeah. but you did it anyway. I know. Yeah. It's just kind of like... This must have gone through a few people. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, dude. As many of you know, this is a statement from the uh, Celebration Community Development District. Uh, the Celebration CC, uh, CDD hired a contractor to refurb the fountain in downtown Celebration. The fountain contains guide markers to various locations and attractions. Unfortunately, Walt was misspelled and will have to be replaced. The contractor has taken full responsibility for making the correction. You think? <laughs> uh, some of the other guide markers also need to be realigned to point in the correct direction. <laughs> so this contractor... Wow. Yeah, I can do that, sure. Uh huh. <laughs> Horrible. I thought those. This were... is par for the course there for celebration. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Have you been there? I've been there. Oh, um, and it, it's wonderful. But uh, uh-huh. I, there's a book, and you can read it called the Celebration Chronicles. And basically, at the beginning of celebration, they they were building it so fast, and they were hiring workers, and they were putting such pressure on them that they couldn't finish it. And a year, two years after people had bought their houses and their condos, buildings were settling, cracking. (laughs) They needed new foundations. They needed new roofs. It was a PR disaster for Disney. Oh man, it's a, that's a whole show. We should do we should do a show on celebration I and think what we did. disaster it yeah, was. Yeah, we sort of beginning. did, but but not in this kind of detail. We mm. did the history of celebration, Florida. Oh yeah. So it sounds like okay. Jeremy just volunteered. So thank there you, Jeremy. Go, Jeremy. Oh boy, add that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Wait, I'm muting again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, hey man, we're in the news, so uh, chime in whenever you want. Buddy. I'll be back when needed. <laughs> Uh, awesome Eats for Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Live returning to Epcot this summer. A little Epcot news for you guys. Uh, this is, of course, from the Disney Parks blog, and you'll know that by the first line, get ready to rock and roll, because Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Live begins tomorrow. I would so go to that and have so much fun. See, so would I. <laughs> uh, you, know, that's probably... you know, the music is going to be killer. Yeah, it is. Hello. I had to remember what show we were yeah, on. No. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, this out-of-the-world musical event features your favorite Guardians and their alien band jamming out to timeless classics from the 70s and 80s. Apparently, they're in a band. Uh, and in addition to singing, dancing, and getting into a cosmic group... I know. I, I just... I know. It's fine. Uh, you can celebrate with a few awesome eats and sips. And sips? Can you just say drinks? Is it a sip? It, you, how clever! They said bites and sips. Bites and sips, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm out here for two things, bro. Okay, I'm out here for tasty bites and bodacious sips, man. Okay. Why isn't bodacious back? It is now. Oh. Let's just bring yes. it back. I like it. Um, and there's they have some cool looking stuff at Liberty Inn. You can grab a space sandwich. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Space. I don't know why. A space sandwich why? alliteration, but like, why couldn't it have been a, a spectacular sandwich or a because they're in a, space. A, a, a savings, Mister Banks. I don't know. A space sandwich. Okay, check this out. They're in space, right? It should be Star Lord sandwich. See a Star Lord sandwich, but a space sandwich. Yeah, well, well Jeff, stupid. can you justify why is well because they're in space, Karen? Oh, <laughs> man, that's a really. Uh, 
Jeff, you're the best. <laughs> or an awesome mixed plate. The space sandwich features barbecued pulled pork topped with crispy onions and served on a Kaiser bun with French fries. And it's like uh, dye. There's like colors on it. This is weird. I mean, it looks cool. Um, anyway, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. But I just I loved the space sandwich. Why? <laughs> so if you're in uh, Disney World, go to Epcot and uh, check out the awesome mix live, dude. It sounds, uh, you know, sounds like it'd be pretty cool. Speaking of uh, something else that's pretty cool, there's an ex-Disney employee that was selling a bunch of fake tickets that they finally, oh. that they, they turned themselves in uh, okay. from Shanghai, Disney. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, turned himself in the police after claiming he had been selling fake tickets to the park, which earned him uh, kind of a lot of money. <laughs> uh, Fan, the ex-employee in question, I really hope he's like 6'8", so he can just like meet somebody famous and say I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, allegedly produced over 6,000 fake electronic tickets for Dang. Shanghai Disneyland, which earned him over $318,000. And I'm wow. out. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. Dude. Wow. It seems Fan worked at the park until 2018 Jeez. when he resigned. After ending his job at the park, Fan took to selling and producing the fake tickets at his home. Uh, which he sold from December 2018 to April 2019. So what is that? Five like months? Seven months or something, yeah. And he made 300 grand, That's dude. not bad. According to a uh, website, Fan was able to access the company's website after he left the company. So no one, no one oh, uh, took away his blunder. access, right? Where he was able to download e-tickets the company gives to its employees. But he, since he no longer worked for the company, the tickets had expired, but he downloaded them anyway, and he modified the, modified the words on the tickets from 2017 summer to a, a valid date. So I guess even though it says that mm. it's expired, the barcode still works yeah, or something? Yeah, that's weird. That seems like a, a very obvious loophole so that's they what I was going to ask. So people could actually still use the ticket, so they weren't getting screwed over, right? It was oh, just no, Disney? here we go. Here we oh. go. To cover the fraud, Fan would purchase authentic, authentic tickets for the tourists before they would visit the park. He was able to gather a large number of tickets in a short amount of time and assumed he could make more money with the money before paying for the expensive authentic tickets. Because he thought that, uh, let's say you're not going to go for like three months, so you pay me, I can buy the tickets in three months, but with that money, I can I can make more money. It's like a p- his own pyramid scheme, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, but it, it's not very well thought out. No. no. However, more people needed the authentic <laughs> tickets than he originally expected, and he had no more money left to buy tickets for them. He ended up turning himself into the police. This is very Chinese, I think, because he believed they would eventually figure out what he was doing sooner or later. So he was just like, well. Wow, he gave up. He gave up. They weren't on to him. Wow. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's pretty funny. So look, man, if you're going to get tickets, always go to getawaytoday.com. That's slash ears up. That's what you got to do. Yeah, don't buy them some from some random guy on Craigslist. No, like. please don't do that. Uh, this is... This is actually timely from the Disney Parks blog. We're reporting on it. You can watch the 4th of July fireworks live from Magic Kingdom. Uh, They're going to be streaming on the Disney Park blog. We'll begin at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Oh, excuse me, 9.13 Eastern. Um, So there you go. Check it out. That's cool. That's probably how we're going to have to watch them since Alice goes to sleep early. That's right. That's right. This is a cool one. Alice Cooper. 
gets animated for a Disney TV show. The The legendary singer is lending his voice to the Disney Channel animated series Mickey and the Roadster Racers. Never heard of it. Oh, kids like it. Yeah? Yeah. In his guest starring role, Cooper will play Alistair Coop DeVille, an old friend of Goofy's uncle. Uh, this is from Alice Cooper. He says, it's so funny that they have a snake coming out of my top hat. The two things that Alice is known for. <laughs> the rocker who described himself as a huge goofy fan. <laughs> oh, okay. Added, just is surprising. Added that he was excited to play a non-threatening character. He says, generally when I play parts in movies or TV, I'm always the villain. It's kind of nice not to be the villain for once. Oh, that's nice. In his episode titled Goof Quest, Alistair joins Goofy, Uncle Goof, and Donald Duck in a journey to find lost treasure in the jungles of Peru. <laughs> because, uh, you know, here, you want to have a clip of it? Let's have a clip of it. Alistair Coop DeVille and Nusta. I knew I could find you here. And why would you want to find me? Treasure! That's right! We don't have to work. Oh, there you go. You want to see a picture of Alistair Coop DeVille? Sort of does look like Alice Cooper. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it does. does. <laughs> He's a snake. That's cute. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's random, but, you know, what else is Alice Cooper doing these days? You know Nothing. what I'm trying to say? True. Nothing. And then uh, before we get into all of our drama, <clears throat> you know how when you have to make reservations at Disneyland, or I'm sure Disney World too, you have to drop a, a credit card? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you reserve at Carthay mm-hmm. and if you if you miss your your reservations 10 bucks yeah. right they just ding you and that's and that's fine well apparently they're doing that a lot at uh, Star Wars land as well if you're trying to get food or drinks at Oga's Cantina you have to you know do that same thing too right. uh, but apparently you have to do that when you build a lightsaber at Savi's workshop you have to so, book ahead totally makes sense which right yeah. makes yeah, sense yeah those lines are crazy Here's the problem, though. Visitors with reservations for Savi's workshop must check in no earlier than 15 minutes prior to their reservation. If they're late or they miss their reservation, they will still have to pay $199.99 per builder. No. Cancellations are not accepted, and reservations may not be exchanged, sold, or bartered. No. That's ridiculous. Do Do you get your lightsaber? No. I wouldn't think so. I, I would. I, that's a two hundred dollars. If you miss your appointment time, it doesn't sound like they let you in to build it. Not to build it, but I wonder if if they have pre-built ones or something. And oh, you, that's jank. No, that's messed up. It if they is, give you but some, don't miss your time. So then, I, I guess. I, like, I also, God, I, I did read something else on this where somebody said like that on a case by case basis there there may be exceptions which Yeah, to that's me, what Disney said, yeah. And what that tells me is that they're just scaring people. They're like they're not do not just, miss yeah. your thing yeah. and then when you complain they're going to be like okay, well, don't miss it, you know. Apparently it's the only things that in in Star Wars land that are just constantly full. Yeah. So actually yeah. we haven't really talked about it. Uh Star Wars land opened up for everybody, oh, last, yeah, yeah, yeah. was it Monday? I think it was this week, right? It was. It was week. Yeah. And from what I understand, they opened up the park like 30 minutes early to let people in because there was a, there were people lining up at four in the morning. They wanted to be the first people in there at rope drop. They wanted to get in and do all this stuff. Right. They had a bunch of people. They let them in early. Yeah. The time for uh, Smuggler's Run was like 240 minutes or 260 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Totally normal. But by like... An hour afterwards, I think things had dropped down yeah. considerably. At one point, um, at one point, Indiana Jones was twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
which first of all, 20 minutes for Indiana Jones it's on not, a Monday in the summertime when all the schools never happened. Yeah. Smugglers run 20 minutes. Yeah. So they had a, 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 a what a 20 year old ride is the same wait time as a brand new friggin' ride yeah. in the brand new land. Yeah. And you know, Peter Pan even was 45 minutes. Yeah. When was the last time Peter Pan was 45 minutes? Well, or was, was it 30? I think it was 35, yeah. actually, yeah. There was a time today where um, Radiator Springs... Do you check it every day? Yes, I do. So Radiator <laughs> Springs Racers was um, 80 minutes, and Smuggler's Run was 30. Wow. Also, um, one of our listeners, Brett, uh, friend of the show, yeah, yeah. he was there yesterday. He took a picture of when he was going into the park, and um, it was at 6... 30 I believe it was where people would be lining up and there were so few people at the front gate that you could see the turnstiles like wow. there was no one there <laughs> so I we talked about this off air yeah I'm not sure what the issue is but. yeah well I think there's there's a couple things that we we sort of hit on one is what you were saying that all the passports are blocked out. Yeah. Like you and I both have the deluxe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't go can't until know. what, April or no, August, August. you said? August, yeah. yeah. So we're out. Um, I think the SoCal people, I'm sure they're they have out. blockout. Are they all they all they're out? out. They're, they're they're, they have all of ours plus more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're done. They just, uh, even on opening day, they, uh, or up until opening day on Monday, cast members couldn't like sign themselves in or sign people in they were they lifted that ban on monday yeah. they were supposed to not let people not let uh let them use those sign-ins until like late july i think no september september okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so they they lifted that yeah so what's the problem i don't know it, it, it my thought was that all of the weirdos who would have gone took right. advantage of that reservation exactly. system and they were waiting in you know on queue virtually while yeah. they were putting their child to sleep to get in and so so we we we've already done it yeah yeah some people have done it four times yeah our friend kyle did it three times yeah because just going with other groups of people so it's like these people who are maniacs yeah they're not gonna they're not just gonna go during normal time because they've they've done it already right and it's kind of worn off and i wonder if i wonder if that's part of it too where you've done like for me i've done it once yeah do i need to go back I don't know. I probably will. Yeah. But I've done it. I experienced it. I th- and that's weird. I think it's like. also weird. This is the first time that I can think of since opening day where they open a land that isn't complete. So Tomorrowland mm. wasn't complete on opening day. But every other time, everything is ready. The land isn't complete yet. That's true. There's still a whole ride that isn't even up. Yeah. And so there may be people saying, I'm going to wait till later in the year. I'll wait till the ride's up. Yeah, I'll go then. Maybe. But maybe. Because, because some people may not be able to go more than once a year. So why go now? True. Instead of going later when everything is up and running. Yeah. Well, you guys keep saying, like, what's the problem? What's the problem? It's also possible that they figured out the formula. That's true. You know, like the reservation process may have just been the thing that has to happen so that they can have everybody actually having fun at this place and not just irritated. Because they, but, they do limit the amount of people that get into that land. Yeah. but So that, that could be t- your time gating it. That could be that could be it. But the other part of that is Disneyland itself is a ghost town. Yeah. yeah. The lines well, are like exactly. five to thirty five exactly. minutes. Like there's um Space Mountain is like twenty minutes some days. Yeah. And it's in the middle of, and people are online. It's Saturday. Yeah. Like twenty minutes for Space Mountain on a summer and yeah. a Saturday. 
It's unheard of. And then Hagrid's motorcycle adventure or whatever the heck <laughs> yeah. in Universal, that was a 10-hour wait on That's opening insane. day. But if they had, I wonder if they had done the monthly reservation system, right. if that wouldn't have been that way on like the normal opening day. Yeah. I think it also has to do with Star Wars fatigue, something I've talked mm. about personally numerous times on this dumb show. Yeah. People are tired of it. It's yeah. the I mean, good more star. Okay, cool. More stormtroopers to look at. That's right. that's great. Well, I, so I understand, and I do understand what you're saying, Taryn, because I think they really did figure out a way to figure out the crowd control. But at the same time, you want to build that excitement, and a 20 minute wait for a. This is the if there, this would be an F ticket ride. Like this is like the ride mm-hmm. of all rides ever. And what rise? Yeah. yeah. And so if that ride is at 20 minutes, there's no excitement there. You want people to to want to go there. You want people, I mean, one of the best things for them is when people were were packed and like ready to charge the line to get into the cantina. That you want that. You want to build that kind of excitement. And so mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I just I think that so far the land is kind of failing and i think there's multiple reasons why like what we're talking yeah. about yeah alex in the chat saying that we went to disneyland yesterday and everything was a walk on millennium falcon was 50 minutes that's crazy. but she got to be the pilot so that's, crazy. that's cool yeah so i was trying to find it to to approve this point but i am almost certain that when we did our our end of the year show and i did predictions my prediction was exactly this oh, that yeah. I'm pretty sure I need to go and find it. I could please do. No, you're correct, but I'm pretty sure that you're was my correct. prediction. Wow. <clears throat> All right, here we well, go. I'm hearing a lot of people come off this ride that they have and say <laughs> they don't really need to see it again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you once you buy your $200 saber, that's it. Are you going back for another $200 saber? Like that's <laughs> lot, the people are posting pictures of that line for the saber. There's no one in it. It's not like it's no. a short line. There is no one buying them. Well, it's uh, that's not true because there you have to make a it reservation. It's true. I told. I'm, don't tell me, call me a liar. <laughs> it's you, it, you have to make a reservation, and those reservations are are sold out every day. But oh, but Jeremy's right because you're also what they're doing no, is they're really trying to no. <laughs> he's factually incorrect. No, it, yes, but also. Um, it isn't what they were doing in um, Tomorrowland, where you're mm-hmm. building a forty dollar lightsaber. This is there is a small amount of people that really want to buy to spend a hundred dollars on an R two unit or oh, yeah. or two hundred dollars on a lightsaber, and so it doesn't make any sense for them to expect those lines to be long. It's been something that someone's going to walk in, look around, look at it, well, and be like, "This is ridiculous." I'm but they have been long. Like when we went, there was they were but, it was super but long. You have to look at who was there at that time. The people sure. who are going to go there intentionally at that point mm-hmm. are the people who are going specifically for Star Wars or Galaxy's Edge yeah. because they're the fans. Right. The people who are going now are the people from Idaho that are there on vacation. And they the lunatics got it out of their system, exactly. and now there's no one left. <laughs> That's right. I'm sac- exactly. Yeah. See. Are you okay, Taryn? Yeah, okay. I just um, I remembered that I haven't gotten to talk about Star Wars at all, and so I just That's wanted true. to note that you guys keep saying like, oh, there's no reason to go back." Oga's Cantina is the reason to go back. That's why I will people, go back there. People are walking into that. Yes, <sighs> you're just walking so in, walking but in. <laughs> to two drink minimum and a 45 minute maximum time. 
bro. That's You're, great. No, not two drink minimum. Two drink maximum. Oh, 45, 45 minute maximum. Oh, like two drink minimum. Mean, yeah. Lit walking out of that place. But I, I, I tell you what. But at forty five minutes, like you better be on top of yeah. Well, that's it true. With yeah. that service, bro. Yeah. Because if you're trying to tell me that you give me my second beer or my second tiki drink or whatever at my 40 minute cap, I'm not chugging that right. because you decided to take a long time or you're understaffed or whatever. Right. right I'm not right. trying to bag on anybody, but like th- that's weird to have those time limits. And f- even what we saw, and granted it was the opening, the opening, opening day, they seemed understaffed. They were packed. It took right. a while right. to deliver. Yeah. Who wants to go to a bar for a time limit? I want to go to a bar and be there until they kick me out. <laughs> well, they That's will. It. It's over. Like, you yeah. have, like, I don't, you I'm can not get what looking you want. for a quick stop at a bar, ever. Mm. That, I always wow. go in with the intention of being there until 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jeremy's fired That's up. Jeremy. That's my position. Let's go. He's my spirit animal. Yeah. Right now. I like it. Is he, though? <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk some uh, drama. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yes. Right. Thank you, Jeremy, for being the only one paying attention. I appreciate that. I was paying attention. So uh, there's a couple rumor mill sites that we've talked about and complained about on the show, but we don't really mention them um, because I don't really want to give them clicks, but also I don't want to just yeah. drag anybody too often. But this one we're going to do because it's in the news and Disney is actually now getting involved. So there's a website, WDW News Today. I don't recommend you going there and clicking <laughs> on anything because, um, you know, whatever. But they posted an article last week. Uh, this is the title: Rumor. Anything that starts with rumor, yeah, just, just don't just don't click. please just skip it. Uh, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room will be replaced with a Moana show for Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary. That's the that's the title of the article. Oh, and it actually said replaced. It says currently replaced. Huh. So uh, he says, uh, this is the same people who said uh, uh, Country Bear Jamboree, which we talked about, I think, on our in-depth, but I can't remember. Um, According to sources inside the company, again, another red flag that you shouldn't believe a word of what's going on. Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room will close to receive an extensive overhaul and ultimate overlay related to the Disney animated film Moana. While this rumor has certainly been around since the movie was released in 2016, this is the first time we have heard more solid information and a time frame for such a change. Just like the replacement for the Country Bear Jamboree rumor, Disney would like new IP leveraging overlaid version of the Enchanted Tiki Room to open just in time for the 50th anniversary on October 1st, 2021. The two show theaters are actually connected to each other, so it's possible that both the Country Bears and Tiki Room would close around the same time. Here's the here's the the sentence. Uh, Jeremy, you and I have chatted about this numerous times, uh, and this is the, the 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 point where this this guy just throws it all uh, out the window, right? He's, he's, uh, he's really betting on himself. He says, do note that this would not be a temporary, but a permanent overlay to the attraction. Those are no some way. big words. Right. Yeah. So he says it's being replaced. Dumb. B- fact, right? That's what he says. Shortly thereafter, uh, the Walt Disney World Resort blog team released oh. a blog. They never do this. Yeah. They never really address rumors like that. But there's been so many just weird and way out there kind of things. 
clearly made up. I'm just, that's what I'm sticking with. This is by Thomas Smith. It's uh, titled, A Little Birdie Told Us. <laughs> A Little Birdie Told Us There Are Some Rumors Flying Around About Our Beloved Tiki Birds at Walt Disney World Resort. We're sorry that our fans are being fed, this is the best part, incorrect information by unscrupulous sources. I love that. Mm-hmm. And then in traditional Disney Parks blog fashion, they make terrible puns. While Toucan play at that game, Two can like two can play, yes. but the bird two, two can yes. okay, get it. Okay. Uh, we deal in facts here at the Disney Parks blog. Burn. Although we won't address every rumor, we want to set the record straight. There are no plans for our feathered friends to fly the coop anytime soon. We're constantly evolving our stories, but these birds will continue entertaining our guests at the Magic Kingdom Park just as they have done since 1971. That's it. And then they give some like you know dumb facts about it, but um, there you go. Good, so, good for them. Disney parks, yeah. clap back, right? Yeah. Here's a response from the other guy. Oh God, really? <clears throat> yeah. This is how he starts. Uh, okay, you can all breathe now. It appears Disney Parks blog has decided to address today's rumor on the Enchanted Tiki Room in a recent post. Like everybody's holding their collective breath until this maniac decides to let everybody breathe a little bit easier. (laughs) Um, So, you know, he goes through the thing. He says, while we at WDWNT do not take kindly to being called an unscrupulous source (laughs) by the Disney Parks blog, which regularly tells people incorrect facts about new sp- where new specialty food and beverage items are located and released. Like oh, wow. to, to get to just <laughs> let's be super petty. Oh, well, you don't get your information correct about specialty food and drink releases. So nobody can it's like, <laughs> yeah. chill out, bro. God bless. Uh, when dealing with rumors, nothing is absolute and everything is subject to change. Also, after we prematurely announced a fairly large percentage of percentage of Disney's big reveals for 2017 D23 Expo, I don't think such a statement holds any validity. Oh, God, get off it. First of all, right. that was three years ago. Ugh. Just relax. Everything is fine. Uh, First of all, as we mentioned, the Moana rumors indicate an overlay of the existing Tiki Room, not the removal of any birds. It said removal in the title. Well, a permanent overlay. It said a permanent overlay. So (laughs) this cat is like, he's... he's, He didn't even go back and fix his article to match his like rebuttal. Yeah, he's being very weird about it. And and he's, I think he's just offended, which he should be because he did something that was offensive. Uh, I'm sure... (laughs) I'm still unsure that the wording Disney used today actually denies any updates to the show, but I won't get into semantics with them. Adding Moana characters or music from the film would be evolving the story, though, so we'll see what happens. Leaving the door open for him to be absolutely right. Right. It's so what a loser. Yeah. So he's not going to get into semantics with them, but he's going to play his own (laughs) semantics and say, "Well, it's a rumor, and we didn't say this, and we said that." Like. Well, if we're going to play semantics, we're going to play semantics here. Right. Exactly. Just to quote, do note that this would not be a temporary, but a permanent overlay to the attraction. Yes. How are you going to do a Moana overlay without removing some of the birds right. to fit other stuff in it? Exactly. The guy's, the guy's a maniac. Yeah. Um, he says, and then this is where he deflects. Do note that while Disney decided to address the rumor about the Enchanted Tiki Room within hours, it has yet to release a statement in the course of a week and a half regarding the Country Bear Jamboree. So while playing... Okay, so we'll stop oh, there. Geez. He thinks that he's owed an explanation. So now that he got, now that he has Disney's attention, mm-hmm. man, he's trying to pull in that thread and be yeah. like, you know, daddy, daddy, please, please talk to me. Please right. talk to me. 
that's the problem also, I guess, that Disney would have with addressing rumor yeah. sites and stuff is mm-hmm. that's what's why you don't address trolls online and bullies yeah. online. You don't even yeah. talk to them. Right. Because then once once you do, they know that they have your attention. Right. And, so and now it could it could parlay other people into just creating stuff just so that Disney talks to just, them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, they've uh, they responded to me. So there's that. So while he continues, so while plans have seemingly changed as far as Walt Disney's enchanted tiki room and Walt Disney World, <laughs> Disney's silence leads us to believe that they are moving full steam ahead with plans on replacing the beloved country bears with the planned Toy Story marionette show. What? So he says now that plans have changed. So he's he's going back. He's admitting that that it's not going to happen. Right, mm-hmm. the overlay or whatever, but he's saying now that plans have changed, and that's the main problem I have with rumor sites like this. Is all you have to do is just say, well, things are in flux, and it's a rumor, but there are talks to literally put a nuclear bomb in Toy in, in yeah. Toy Story Land and blow the entire right. park up, and they're going to rebuild it, but yeah. underground. It's going to be great. And then you go, oh, well, uh, things change. And this is what happens. This is just how Disneyland works. So um, right. there you go. But you so, got all those clicks. So you're never wrong. And yeah. you never this have is- to admit that you made it up or that you got lied to or right. that you don't know what you're talking about. You never have to admit that. Yeah. Well, this is what pisses me up because on the one hand, he's saying, well, I don't really tr- – I'm not going to play semantics because it seems like they're denying, but they're not really denying it because <laughs> what they said doesn't really deny it. But then he's also saying by not saying anything about Country Bears, that Tiki Room – they are implicitly saying <laughs> that Tiki Room's happeni- not happening and Country Bear is. Yes. But at the same time saying that them their comment means it could be happening. So – you can't have it both ways and say that they're <laughs> denying it and it's happening, but they're not denying it and it isn't happening. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I honestly, I really want to get a, a psychologist involved. You know how they do that with Trump a lot, where like a lot yeah. of just people do stories on you know whatever. Um, I would love to do that with this guy's thing because he's he's a, an egomaniac. Oh yeah, yeah clearly he, he really is. He's done he's done stories before where he lists off his uh, the reasons why you should trust him, or he you know he says well. Disney employees read my blog. So if you want to say something to the Disney employees, this is your chance. Right. Make a comment yeah. on my thing. But and I don't remember if I've talked off air or on air, but I'll just say it again. Like Disney has a um a computer program that is a vacuum that it just sucks all the mentions of its parks yeah. in. Yeah. And then the Disney parks social media team filters through that and they decide if they if it's actionable or they just, just know what's going on. Right. So they read our stuff too. You're not special. Right. Like you, you if you have if you have a, a, a Disney blog that has a hundred clicks a day or a, a month, a Disney employee is probably aware of your site. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah. mean that you're special in the in the in the in the sphere of bloggers. Right. It doesn't mean that you have a special insight and they need to monitor you because that's how much you know. It just means that you're on the internet. Right. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. all it means. So this guy has a very, very high opinion of himself, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it makes me like him that much less. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't know anything about him. I never really read the site anyway, so I right. don't really I'm, – I'm not afraid to give him a couple clicks while I'm reading the story. But just seeing what I've seen the past few stories and, and even the, a couple months ago, I don't, I don't like this guy. He's no. crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's also super ego, lunatic. egotistical to even, like, be offended by the thing that Disney said because it's like – I don't know. It just seems 
like that's the only thing he's focused on is that he was mentioned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all he actually cares about. Yeah. So the next day, so that update that he wrote was on. Um, when was that? I think it was like yesterday or the day before. Wednesday. Doesn't okay. We were yeah you. Yeah, it doesn't say. Well, here the Disney Parks blog one was released on Wednesday, June twenty sixth. So he released that the same day. Then today he releases something else. Oh boy. Who we really are at WTWNT.com. Oh, wow. A statement from Tom, I have too big of an ego, Corliss. <laughs> As you probably are aware, the Disney Parks blog decided to debunk a rumor yesterday by referring to this site as an unscrupulous source. Needless to say, there's been a lot of ill will thrown in the direction of this site since then, so I wanted to take a few moments to calmly and rationally Look at the situation. This is what maniacs do. Like, <laughs> seriously, he's, this is what egotistical people do. You're being un- irrational. You're being irrational. So let me, the source of your irrational behavior, calm you down because daddy's in control. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I will tell you why you're wrong. Yeah. You can't tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> even, yeah, though all signs point, <laughs> even though all <laughs> signs point to me being wrong and unscrupulous, let me tell you calmly. So you know that I'm a trusted source. Also, can you be calm when you're writing? No. First off, let me defend the sources that have made us what it is today. These individuals within various departments of the Disney Company believed in this site. They believe in unfiltered, honest news about the Disney Corporation and the direction it's headed in. Bro, they fired a hundred people at Star Wars Land for leaking information. <laughs> yeah, nobody right. believes in your stupid website <laughs> that they get nothing out of it unless right. you're paying them, which he implicitly denies. Right. Who cares? Nobody really cares that much to go. Well, I don't like the way the company is, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leak information to right. this weird blog. Right. Who Who does that? I know so much. I've been told a lot of stuff yeah. that has been happening, and I refuse to put my friends' jobs right. in jeopardy exactly. for clicks. Exactly. I, 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 yeah, I, I, dude, there's some stuff. Yeah. And you guys, it, whatever, right? Yeah. Am I making it up? You'll never know. But <laughs> if 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 you're if you're a journalist and you're making money off of this stuff, that's putting other people's jobs at risk. Yeah. You're a. D. Yeah, you are. Like you're a B D. Like you're you're <laughs> not a nice person. D, yeah. So also you're a journalist. We're talking about theme parks. Well, journalist. Yeah, you're like, right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. That's like, a good point. Edward R. Murrow Award <laughs> for journalism. Like, no, this is you're you're reporting on whether the tiki room's changing in a theme park. <laughs> Why it's don't you believe me? Park, Belie- believe me, guys. <laughs> guys. Guys. That is so true. For five seconds. Seriously, is a voice of journalistic right integrity. You. Are you kidding me? You run a theme park <laughs> fan site. Okay. Uh, these people took the risk of losing their jobs to an empower an outlet, to empower an outlet that would fight for quality that is sometimes lost in the corporate machine. You can just hear the drums in the background. Standing in front of an American flag. And I'm, I'm glad that we have a man like Tom Corliss to fight for equality and integrity of the Disney parks. It's, it's General Tom Corliss. Thank you very much. Right. Tom Brokaw. They are, pa- they are passionate fans who were not paid for information, but rather just wanted to share news with others who had that same passion. 
Uh, okay. I dislike this guy so much. I'm almost disappointed that we're still talking about him. Yeah. yeah. For those uh, who say rumor, but this it's so much worth it. It's worth it, dude. Also, I would not be talking yeah. about him, but this is it's really worth it. For those who say these rumors rarely pan out, I've compiled a list of stories broken first here at oh. WTWNTDMD.com and then confirmed by Disney. It may seem petty, and it probably is, but I think it's easier to get the whole picture with visible, hard evidence. Here are just a few. Number one. I'm not going to go through them all. Thank you. Stitch's great, no, esca- Sk- Stitch's great Escape closed forever, and Disney lied about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Number two, Mickey Ride replacing the great movie ride. Number three, Star Wars Hotel at Disney World, which, okay, so he's saying that one in particular bugs me because you're not. it's not confirmed by Disney, but he probably just pulled permits, dude. Yeah, like, it's not exactly. hard to get this information. Um, Disney Skylander gondola transportation system, again, Probably leaked from permits, you know. Great moments in history with the Muppets, whatever. The minivans. Mm. You know, the 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 He's the, saying he broke that story. Yeah, the vans that are delivering people, uh, they're they're oh, like yeah. skinned like yeah. Minnie Mouse. That that is an example of how you get information first, and that's why you should be a trusted source because you you commented on the color of a van. It's just the most ridiculous, and there's a big list. Well, and also there's no way at this point to prove if he was first or not. And so I don't like that because he can just say that, and the the same people that believe all of these these when he posts them are the people that are going to believe this one. Yeah, I mean, um, I just don't really trust it. Yeah, I don't. I again, I don't even care. I guess really. Yeah, it's. You broke the story about the minivan. This isn't Deep Throat. This isn't Watergate. <laughs> breaking, breaking Can news. Here's an, well, it's it's an it's also an announcement before the park makes it. Cool. Does that mean that you're not making up stuff? Right. Disney just called you out for making stuff up, exactly. and you're saying, "Oh, but remember that time that I was right." Yeah. But you're right. still wrong. Right. You literally got caught in with your hand in the cookie jar, lying. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't anything else that you may have had doesn't matter yeah. at all. So then he goes on to say, certainly some rumors don't pan out, as is the case sometimes when things not announced yet by the company. But those are few and far between in our reporting history. So, again, he's saying that he can never be wrong because all he has to do is say, well, the rumor doesn't pan out. Right. Make up whatever you want, but just say, well, the source said, just like Mice Chat does. Exactly. And they've been called out, too. Yeah. It's it just bothers me. And if you I mean, look, if you like talking about, you know, the rumors and stuff, that's fine. It sometimes it's fun to just, you know, play fantasy draft or whatever. Yeah, and what right. if we could do that? We do that here on the show sometime, but just don't take it for, for granted. And also don't be clicking on websites. This guy's getting paid to just make stuff up. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, clearly I haven't looked through all this list and, but it seems like he does get some information. Okay, cool. But do you really want to know that he gave you the word on the minivans first? Exactly. <laughs> it just makes no sense, man. Um, we are the site that started maintenance reports for the U.S. Disney parks when it became noticeable that conditions in many attractions and such were becoming much worse. The outpouring of support and no the number wonder they don't like him and the number of readers that that these pieces had on a weekly basis was staggering. Honestly. One of the greatest moment of my li- one of the greatest moment of my life was seeing Bear Brayer's tail restored to Splash Mountain just two weeks after the list began, a thing that had been missing <laughs> from the ride since I was just a kid. So he thinks he thinks it was because of him. He thinks it was because of him. Mm. Meanwhile, when we had our friend Matt on the show yeah. and in figure finishing, 
He says these things take months yeah. to do. They literally take months to do. And just because it, you think it was missing from the ride since he was just a kid, it doesn't mean that it wasn't on somebody's list to do, but there was more important stuff. Right. People shift around in departments. Stuff just doesn't happen because it's not a priority. Right. So someone new could have come in. This is also a reasonable explanation and probably Occam's Razor, the most realistic. Mm-hmm. Someone came in, hey, we got to do Hey, let's do that. Okay, boom, done. Exactly. It's not because of your stupid website, dude. It is not because of you. And he's and he's already saying that he has saved the tiki room. Yeah. He's already yeah. saying that. He's already saying that. And it's just ridiculous. He's an idiot. <laughs> so stupid. WT this site is the site that organized a walkthrough and dessert party inside of the great movie ride just two days before it closed forever. This was put together after D23's event registration closed in seconds, leaving many fans without a proper way to say goodbye to the attraction, which is the worst attraction ever, by the way. A classic ride that they have been given less than a month's notice was even closing. Oh, God, how sad. Jesus. Disney did absolutely nothing to celebrate the history of Disney's Hollywood Studios for its 30th anniversary. Because that also sucks. While we reunited Imagineers who created the park to talk about their work in front of guests, we also reunited the Adventurers Club for a special beach party. I never publicized this, but both of those events were hosted at a financial loss to us. We didn't put yeah, them well, on. You, we didn't put them on to make on. money. We put them on to do the right thing by fans since Disney seemingly refused to. You're good at putting on money losing events. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> also, I watched some of that because he live streamed it. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> it's just this that is doesn't surprise me. This is like egomaniac. This is weird stuff. This is virtue signaling. Like it's so weird. This is what I've done, and therefore I don't make anything up. What does that even mean? It. it, it <laughs> oh, whatever. Dude. Can I say this though? Yeah, man. He's doing an Illuminations farewell event, and he's got Gavin Greenaway going. Wow. Who wrote it? The music. Nice. That's impressive. Well, that's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, well you know it. how bookings go. Sometimes people just bounce out. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, that's probably going to be at a loss because I don't think Greenway's cheap. And apparently this guy doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That's cool that he has that. he has that. I mean, you know, he obviously gets clicks, but it sounds like they're clicks and generated by not 100% truthful reporting. Yeah. Uh, he finishes off by saying, uh, by the way, how many of those sites won't uh, have reported on the Country Bear Jamboree closure rumors yet. Just because people aren't reporting on your stuff doesn't mean that, you, that you're right. Right. Or you're not owed a comment by everybody, man. It's weird. That's crazy. I don't know, man. Oh, here it is. Um, I believe in what we are fighting for. We will continue to try to save the Country Bear Jamboree. So again, and what I've heard is that uh, there is and there's internal discussion about potentially removing it and changing it, country sense. bears. But most people involved in the talks are for it. They're for keeping it. So it's like so. Either way, he's going to be right. Yeah, exactly. Either 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 he's it's going to close. He's a psychic, right? Or he's going to be right uh, when when they when they don't close it. Right. He's going to be like, I saved it. I mm-hmm. saved it. Right. Cuckoo. Uh, we will continue to try to save the Country Bear Jamboree. We will continue to have fun specking the future Disney parks. Um, no, wait. Where did I read that? Also, he's just such an egomaniac. This is way too long. Like, yeah. 
this this blog post about how great he is is entirely too long. And yesterday he tweeted, he goes, you thought today was crazy. Wait till tomorrow. Oh, my. <laughs> that's the, and that's, then he that's, released this statement. That's the, that's the equivalent of a comic going, well, if you don't like offensive words, buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, I'm trying to find out. I don't know what to say. I, mean, yeah. I kind of want to go to his uh, Illuminations Farewell event. And just and boo him. Just boo him the entire time. Bring signs. Or I want to try to lure Greenaway away and have him come <laughs> to my event. And then Greenaway's like, what is this? And it's like, <laughs> just me and my two friends. <laughs> my two friends, friends, Scotch and Mist. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, Where's the payment? Oh. <laughs> oh, my other my other two friends are bringing them. Boxed and wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be cool. I, I would love to be able to do something like that. Uh, yeah, try to get him on the show, dude. But don't give this kid money. Anyway, that's the... That's the um, that's the Disney news portion of this moment in time. We have, oh man, we've already been at it almost two hours. I kind of yeah. want to talk about our two our picks are, but I might just save it for the secret show. Yeah. Because we're already late for the secret show right now. We're two minutes late. Ooh. My fault. It's okay. Yeah, it's a so, two hour show here. Uh, yeah, pretty one. much. Well, look, Jeremy, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, I guess, is what you Thank did. Thank you. Right? And then uh, do you want to stay on for the secret show or what? I mean, what? Well, why not? Well, why not? All right, I got some news items, but not nothing as spicy as what what we just talked about. But uh, if you're a member of the Patreon club, I guess, or whatever we call ourselves, um, you can go over there and get the link for the YouTube chat, and then hop in there. We should be there five minutes. Terrence, ten minutes? Uh, ten. Ten minutes. All right. Anyone listening live? pop over there. We'll be there about 10 minutes. Terrence is going to make us a drink. We're going to talk some news and um, maybe release some swears. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, um, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Find us all over the place. Uh, oh my gosh, I almost forgot. I have like other stuff to talk about. Oh. I'm just going to do this right now. I completely forgot about that. I totally... The 21st Amendment has been serving craft beer in the San Francisco Bay Area for 19 years. Terrence is drinking a Blood Orange IPA as we speak right now. From their initial brew pub on 2nd Street, just two blocks from Giant Stadium in San Francisco, to their production, brewery, and tap room across the bay in San Leandro, the 21st Amendment is now available in 29 states, including in and around the parks. Next time you're in San Francisco, visit the brew pub and shoot over to neighboring San Leandro to check out the new production brewery and tap room for great beers and good food and be sure to ask for the 21st Amendment wherever you find good craft beer. Thanks to the 2NA. Thanks to GetawayToday.com for sponsoring. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>